Welcome to the Variant Vendetta podcast, a podcast where two variants talk movies, TV shows, video games, and pop culture in an attempt to end their vendetta against each other. You can support the show by giving us a follow on Twitter, Instagram at Variant Vendetta, or by giving us a five-star review on your podcast platform. Today, I am joined by our other host, who I really wish would get stranded on Mars by herself. Wow. Oh (laughs) my god. At least... um... Oh, man, I can't even say that because I fuck up my intro all the time. <laughs> that was pretty nice, Never wasn't mind. it? I literally that started recording one, yeah. and just immediately got into it. Yep. <laughs> Hit the that joke right off the dome. Didn't even have it written down. Didn't even think about it. <laughs> and it's related to this movie. Good so. job. You're really good at that. You're really good at like making stuff that's related to what we're doing. I'm terrible at that. I have a hard time coming up with insults for you, to be honest. Well, you make it very easy for me, so. Wow. (laughs) Damn, two in one. (laughs) Let's go. Yeah, so speaking of Stranded on Mars, today we are watching Interstellar. No, wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. We're watching something better than Interstellar, in my opinion. Uh, I would agree with that, actually. I would, yeah. I I definitely liked this more than Interstellar. Same. I've, uh, like, don't get me wrong, I I do love Interstellar. It's really good. But, I don't know. This one's just better. It's The Martian, by the way. That's what that's what we watched <laughs> in case you couldn't tell by the title or the stranded on mars joke yeah yeah i like this better because it was it was a lot of information but it wasn't so much to where it was like overwhelming like interstellar is yeah and i think it's a little easier to digest because all of this stuff that happens in this movie is like realistic as yeah. opposed to interstellar which i guess could be realistic but it's more theoretical yeah, it's more like we don't really know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so The Martian, we ready to get into this? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do All it. All right. So we open in space. Actually, wait, pause. Just oh. so everybody's aware. <laughs> it, Disclaimer. Is, it is storming at Annabelle's house right now. So if like, you hear thunder. Bad. <laughs> yeah, that's, bad that's where it's coming from. Okay. So we open in space, rotating around the red outline of a silhouetted planet until the sun comes up over the side and the title card is shown with Mars and the sun in the background. We are then taken to the surface of Mars and it's full of of valleys and cliffs and hills and just like flat, like deserts. And then we're hit with a, a little couple of words and it says... And I'm about to butcher this. Acidalia planitia. Does that sound right? Uh, that's a that's a pretty good guess. I'm I'm gonna say that's how it's pronounced. That's pretty good. Yeah. Except probably with a little more confidence. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um. Anyways, that that is basically the location of this particular area on Mars. Um. And it appears on the screen as if it's like being typed into a computer. Um, And we continue across the planet's surface and we hear Commander Lewis on the radio telling her team to stay inside of each other 
And NASA Ares 3 landing site, Mission Day, Sol 18 is typed across the bottom of the screen. The team of astronauts is working on research, talking about their findings and making jokes as they do this. And this team consists of Commander Lewis, Martinez, Watney, Vogel, Johansson, and Beck. Pretty strong cast for this crew. Yeah, yeah. I was I completely forgot that Sebastian Stan is in this movie. Uh, that was a pleasant surprise. Um, later on, we see Donald Glover, oh, which was yes. a pleasant surprise. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say I did. I I always forget that Sebastian Stan is in this, but I will never forget that Donald Glover is in this movie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was a pleasant surprise the first time I watched it, though. Um, as the team continues to joke around, Commander Lewis tells Johansson to cut off Watney's comms, and just after she does this, a warning appears on her computer screen that reads, Emergency Mission Status Update. Johansson tells Lewis to come inside and take a look at the storm warning. The whole team, aside from Martinez, who is outside by their ship called the MAV or the MAV, is inside tracking the storm on the computer. And Commander Lewis tells the team to begin the abort procedure. Watney insists to wait it out, but Lewis makes the call to prep for the emergency departure. Martinez immediately begins prepping the MAV and Lewis... Or, and he tells Lewis it'll be 12 minutes before it's ready. The rest of the team prepares to exit their little base, which is called the HAB, uh, through the airlock. And Lewis informs them that there is no visibility outside because of the storm. When the airlock door opens, they are met with the fierce winds and flowing debris from this storm. And it's like so bad that they can barely even get out of the airlock. The team struggles through the storm, making their way towards the MAV, and as they do, a massive piece of debris flies through the air, hits Watney, sending him flying backwards and out of sight from the rest of the crew. Watney's suit uh, decompression alarm goes off, and it informs the team that his suit has been breached, and they can't contact him via his comms either. So they try to look for him for a few minutes, but the Mav is slowly tipping. So Lewis sends the team, the rest of the team, to the Mav, and she continues to look around for Watney for a minute. Martinez checks the proximity radar, but he doesn't see anything. Uh, Beck tells them that Watney is dead, and the Mav is slowly tipping still. So Commander Lewis, at this point, has no choice but to get back to the MAV. She makes it back to the MAV, and then she tells Martinez to launch, and she's like visibly upset about it as she does. Um, and he does launch, and they take off and leave Mars. Anything on that that first opening scene? Um, I just, I don't think like I could make a decision like that, like Commander Lewis had to make, like, how can you, it's if that's a tough decision to decide whether to leave and save everybody else or to stay and save Mark. 
that it's so tough. And I, I don't think I would have been able to make that. So she's got some serious balls in my book. Agreed. Yeah. I bet it probably is a very hard decision to make. And Jessica Chastain does a great job at showing through body language and facial expressions and like just raw emotion, how hard it must have been to make this decision. Yeah, she's, I love her. Like she was also in Interstellar. She was Murphy. I I love her in these type of science type movies. She does really good in them. Oh shit. I forgot she was in Interstellar. Yeah, she's Murphy. Yeah. Yeah, she is. So, all right. So you've got your own little cinematic universe building in your Trust Me, I Like It's. And then apparently there's uh, maybe the start of another cinematic oh, universe here. Hold on. there. There's a point that I'm going to get to um, that uh, I'm just, I'm, I won't be surprised if you didn't see it, but if you didn't like point it out. But um, yeah, there, there's a point where, where things connect <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah i I, unknowingly i I know what you're talking about you know what i'm talking about yeah we'll get to it i'll I'll even reenact my exact reaction to the moment when i was watching it okay uh so anyways we cut to black and we hear a news broadcast that kind of slowly fades into reality and it's teddy sanders the director of nasa at a press conference talking about this incident that just happened on Mars, and he tells everybody that Mark Watney was killed. Back on Mars, we can see all the damage the storm caused to the area as the camera slowly glides across the surface. There's a distant beeping that slowly gets closer as we kind of move in towards this object, and it turns out this object is uh, Mark Watney, who is mostly buried in the Mars dirt. And the beeping is coming from his suit. He wakes up in a panic as his suit announces oxygen level critical. He sits up and sees a small spike stabbed into his torso. And so he tries to stand up, but is quickly yanked back down to his knees as he realizes the spike is connected to another piece of nearby debris um, by this like long wire. So he pulls out a little multi-tool, cuts the wire, and slowly heads towards their little base camp. Surprisingly, the base camp held together through the storm and Watney quickly begins taking off his spacesuit. He grabs the spike and just yanks it out really quick and screams in pain. Uh, he then removes what's left of his spacesuit, cuts off his shirt, and stumbles onto a small table where he begins removing shrapnel from the stab wound. He staples the wound up, takes a breath, and, and just takes a moment to relax, and he says, fuck (laughs) um yeah absolutely no way in hell i would have been able to do that to myself uh i would have passed out just from pulling the thing out uh there is actually you know this but and some other people know this but uh the world doesn't really know this i have terrible fucking knees so they like to dislocate a lot and one time in high school knee popped out it stayed out didn't pop back in and this was like the third time it had happened to me so I was like all right I'm gonna I'm pop it back in I can do it and I could not like all I had to do was straighten my fucking leg and I could not fucking do it like 
it's it's like a mental thing like you just can't I, I don't understand how he was able to do that to himself <laughs> I've had to do like small little medical procedures on myself like nothing to this extent but like even just doing those things it's like holy shit <laughs> like yeah this is rough your yeah. your brain just doesn't want to do it because it's hurting you yeah and you're already like in pain it's like it's much easier when somebody else does it for you yeah because they don't care yeah they're like fuck your knee i'm popping this shit back in (laughs) yeah (laughs) um i also i would like to add i have this book i have the martian the book i have not read it i started it yesterday i'm on chapter three but this last line that that Mark says after he gets his wound all fixed up, he says, fuck, right? Well, when I started the book yesterday, I opened it up, page one, chapter one. The very first line in the book is, I'm pretty much fucked. That's my considered opinion. Fucked. Yep. (laughs) That's how you know. (laughs) That's how you know. That's about to be a good-ass book you're about to fucking read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like Mark Watney. I think he's pretty funny. He is. I really like him. And Matt Damon is perfect in this role. I, I like him a lot better in this than in Interstellar. Oh, shit. He was in Interstellar, <laughs> too. Oh, man. What do you mean? <laughs> I was like, wait, he wasn't in Interstellar. Yeah, yeah he plays he Dr. Was. Man. <laughs> Oh, I totally forgot about that. Only yeah. ingredient we're missing now is Matthew McConaughey. I know. He's not in this, is he? No, he's not. <laughs> okay. Making sure I didn't miss like a didn't surprise. That. I can't believe you yeah. forgot. <laughs> I really did. I mean, like, he's only in it for a few minutes. And he plays a bad guy. Not for a few minutes. He's in it for like a good like an act, probably. Maybe. Maybe. I guess. Anyways, we cut to Mark sitting down at a computer um, while he's all wrapped up in a blanket. He begins a video log of himself just in case he doesn't make it, but he basically says that he's alive. He knows that I'll come to a surprise as everyone. And then he says, Surprise! He goes on to show the small antenna that was stabbed into him, and he explains between the antenna. And the blood, like, in the suit that, like, kind of formed around the hole, it managed to slow down the breach in his suit. And just, it was able to keep oxygen in his suit for him to breathe long enough for him to wake up. Um, He has no way to contact NASA. And even if he could, it would be at least four years before the next manned mission could reach him. And he's in a hab made to last 31 days. Later that night, Mark watches the computer screen track a current storm that's happening outside. He gets up, gathers the rest of the crew's personal items, and begins looking through them. He stacks all the boxes back up and says, I'm not going to die here. I just want to say, if I could choose to die on Earth or Mars, I'm going with Mars. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would... I don't know, because then, like, if you survive and make it back to Earth, then it's 
just like him, you're able to be like, hey, I survived on a fucking deserted planet. That is true. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd still try to survive. But if I'm like, okay, I'm going to die. Do I want to die on Earth or Mars? Pick it Mars. Pick it Mars. <laughs> Hopefully we see a Martian at some point. <laughs> so uh, we cut to a shot of the surface of Mars as Soul 21 appears on screen. And if you hadn't picked up on it, or you just don't know, or whatever the case is, a day on Mars is called a soul, spelled S-O-L. I I don't know why, but I like that word, soul. soul I like the yeah. fact that Earth days and Mars Mars days have different names. It's not just day. Yeah, it's it's very scientific. <laughs> it is, yeah. Spacey. So Mark walks into the kitchen area makes some food, and begins counting all the food rations that he has, making an inventory sheet of them. We cut to him standing up from the toilet as he vac flushes it, and he gets a sudden realization. He goes back into the kitchen area, pulls out a tub that's full of vacuum-sealed potatoes, and we cut to Mark at the computer again, recording a new video log, and he says, Right, let's do the math. Our surface mission here was supposed to last 31 souls. For redundancy, they sent 68 souls worth of food. That's for six people. So for just me, that's going to last 300 souls, which I figure I could stretch to 400 if I ration. So I got to figure out a way to grow three years of three three years worth of food here on a planet where nothing grows. Luckily, I'm a botanist. Mars will come to fear my botany powers. Like I said, love his humor here. Uh, He's very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, he's, <laughs> he's being funny during a situation that's like, hey, maybe not be funny right now. Yeah. Very, uh, I, I, I don't know the word you're looking for either. He's like using humor as a coping mechanism. <laughs> yeah. And it works the it whole does. movie. It does. It never gets old. Um, I love how calm he is. Like he just got stranded on Mars in this facility that's only supposed to last 31 days by himself. No human contact. Can't contact NASA. Can't do anything. He's very calm. And I like that. And I really like how once he processed everything, he immediately came up with a plan just like that. He was very confident and very intelligent. Yeah. Sometimes that's what you got to do. Just take a step back. Yeah. Take in the, take in the situation, come up with a little plan, get to it. He's, I mean, he is a very smart person who has had a lot of training, so yeah um we cut to mark outside now in his spacesuit. i don't know why i put that in my notes outside is literally the surface of mars so obviously he's in his spacesuit. but <laughs> anyways he's walking up to the organic waste bin that is on the outside wall of the base there's a warning on the lid that reads biohazard human waste and he opens it up and the bin is full of individual packets of the crew's quote-unquote waste 
Mark puts all these packets into a tub and he uh, flips the solar panels back over outside. He cleans them off and then he goes inside and clears out the a massive section of the hab. From here on out, by the way, I'm just going to like say soul whatever as they appear on screen. So I'm just going to start off by saying soul blank. Soul okay. blank. Cool. All right. So soul 24. He finishes emptying out this room and he lines it in a mass, a massive like plastic curtain type thing. Uh, he goes outside, fills several tubs with Mars dirt and empties it all onto the floor of this big empty room. Once he's finished with that, he downs a bottle of grape juice and says, fuck you, Mars. Again, <laughs> with the humor again. I love it. I I love <laughs> he talks to Mars like it's it's a person so much and I love it and he's like rude to Mars too it's so not even funny. just a person like a person that like is against him yeah <laughs> all right soul 31 Mark is using a shovel to make parallel rows across the dirt uh the dirt in the floor he cuts open packet after packet of the crew's waste and pours it all into this bucket, which he then pours water into to make um, like a kind of fertilizer. He takes his potatoes, cuts them all in half, and puts them into a bucket. Not the same shit bucket, by the way. And then he begins burying the potato halves with a little fertilizer and a little water in these parallel rows that he created. Soul 36 opens on a sunrise. Mark is laying in bed watching Happy Days on TV while looking at a small wooden cross. He says to himself, the problem is water. He needs more water to actually farm his potatoes. So he uses several parts from around the hab to create a small tent-like contraption to help him create water, basically. The only problem is um, he needs a little bit of fire to do this, and NASA sent them up there with nothing that is flammable because fire in space is bad. Well, technically fire in space can't happen, but fire in the hab in space is bad. It's a bad idea, yeah. <laughs> so as Mark is explaining how he's going to burn hydrogen to create water um, while recording a new video log, He's whittling little chips off of Martinez's little wooden cross. He says to Martinez, I'm sorry, Martinez, but if you didn't want me to go through your stuff, you shouldn't have left me for dead on a desolate planet. He then looks at the little Jesus on the little cross and he says, by the way, I'm figuring you're going to be fine with this given my present situation. Counting on you. Again with the, the humor. It's funny. It's funny. It's funny it's, to me I love it. <laughs> Back to Mark's little fire contraption. He sparks a flame in the little wood chips and he places it where it needs to be. He turns on his little contraption and it creates a small fire. Mark screams woohoo and then the contraption blows up, sending him flying across the room. We cut to Mark slowly sitting down in front of the computer and he's like charred, little smoke coming off of him even. And he says, so yeah. I blew myself up. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> he goes back to this little contraption with a flame retardant suit and his space helmet on, and he gives it another go, and it actually works this time. The fire in the center of the room collects moisture around the plastic curtain walls, and then it kind of just drips down into the potato farm. Soul 48. Mark has made a little calendar on the wall of the farm, and he's Xing off the souls as he goes. And he just basically works inside and outside of the base, just fixing things, cleaning things, doing whatever, you know, whatever he's got to do. Soul 54. Mark is making some food, and he walks past the farm, glances into the little window that he created, and continues walking away. He stops, turns around, looks back through the little window, and then he steps inside the farm and slowly walks over to a little sprout, which he touches and says, Hey there. Missed opportunity to say hello there, but you don't even know what that's from. I don't. (laughs) What is it from? I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to watch the movie. What? What the fuck? How am I supposed to know what to watch? (laughs) Oh, we're going to watch it one day. One of these days. How do you know I haven't seen it? I know for a fact you haven't seen it. Well, just tell me what it is. You told me you haven't seen it. What is it? Star Wars. Oh. Have you have you seen those? No. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Carry on. Me. I know what I'm talking about. All right. We cut to a shot of space that pans down onto Earth as we hear Teddy Sanders say, "The nation was blessed to have Mark serving in our space program." We're taken down to the funeral service for Mark as Teddy continues his speech. And when the speech ends, we jump to the Johnson Space Center, where we meet Vincent Kapoor, the director of uh, Mars Missions, is headed in to talk to Teddy. Vincent starts asking Teddy to approve his satellite so that they can see what was left on Mars so they can sell it. And Teddy basically just says no. And the two argue for a few minutes until Vincent comes up with the idea to use sympathy for Mark against Congress so that they will approve the satellites. We leave this scene without Teddy giving a final answer, so it's kind of open-ended. But use the the rule of 2 plus 2 equals... 4. Exactly. We put it together (laughs) in the next scene. Which opens... Wait. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it. The next scene opens with Mindy Park, who is... uh, She works in satellite communications for mission control at NASA. Uh, She is making some food in a little break room, and then she walks back to her desk. The time is currently 1.30 a.m., and Mindy hears some chimes coming from her computer. She finds a message from Vincent telling her to check a certain set of coordinates. It's actually two sets. Both sets of coordinates belong to the base camp on Mars. Set 1 is on Sol 18, and set 2 is on Sol 54. Mindy looks at the first set of coordinates and then flips to the second set of coordinates, and she can see a couple changes in the scenery. In disbelief, she flips back and forth through the two images, and Mindy calls security to get the emergency contact phone number for Vincent. At 2.30 a.m., we cut back to Mindy, Vincent, Teddy, and Annie, 
who is the director of media relations, all looking at the two images on the massive mission control screen. Or screens, I guess. Teddy tells Vincent to prove it to him. And Vincent points out that in the second picture, the solar panels were flipped over and cleaned. And the rover, Rover 2, has moved from one location to another. Which, that shit don't just happen on its own. Nope. Unless Mars has ghosts or aliens. Um, yeah, aliens. Uh, but also, you just left, left somebody that you thought was dead on Mars, so probably them. Probably the best, <laughs> most likely outcome. <laughs> um, Annie suggests calling Commander Lewis and asking her if they moved the rover to without logging it. Uh, Mindy says it's unlikely, and Teddy says, if Watney's really alive, we don't want the crew of Ares 3 to know. When Annie asks why, he wouldn't tell them because basically they need to stay focused on their mission back home without any distractions um, because it's not going to be another 10 months before they make it home anyways. And Annie tells him that legally they have to release these photos within the next 24 hours. Teddy tells her to release a statement along with the photos and then tells them that Mark will starve to death long before they can help him. And the three simultaneously just look over at Teddy. And Vincent says, can you imagine what he's going through up there? He's 50 million miles away from home. He thinks he's totally alone. He thinks we gave up on him. I mean, what does that do to a man psychologically? What the hell is he thinking right now? And then we cut to a shot of Mark drying off after a shower while disco music is blaring in the background of the hab. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping for an audible laugh, but you just freaking... <laughs> that sounds fake, but I'm like genuinely laughing. <laughs> um, it, it was funny. Yes, it was. It was funny. Um, and I'm just caught up on the fact that they don't want to tell the fucking crew which is absolute fucking bullshit i was gonna ask you what you what you thought about that like i understand where he's coming from like their mission is to get home and like they're in space it's super fucking dangerous uh don't want any problems but they just they they think they left their friend for dead on mars so they need to know because uh, you can see in commander lewis's face she feels guilty she feels like it's all her fault like they need to know so that they're not carrying this guilt for the next hundred some days i don't know how long it gets how long it takes to get to earth from mars but it's a long fucking time they got 10 months yeah that's that's a long time to think that you left your friend on mars for dead yeah i agree i i do kind of see where he's coming from with it but at the same time it's like uh, that that's another one of those hard decisions i think like yeah yeah i personally though i think i would have told them yeah 
but Mark starts up a little video log with the music still blaring in the background. And he says, I'm definitely going to die up here. If I have to listen to any more God awful disco music. (laughs) (laughs) And then he just goes on to poke more fun at commander Lewis's music choice, which I, I have a feeling you actually really liked. Um, okay. So like, I like disco. I don't love disco. So like, if it's on, I'm okay with it, but I'm not like, I hate this music. But if I was in his position and this was all I had to listen to, not knowing how long I was going to be stuck on Mars, I, I would be, I would be mad too. <laughs> I would be mad. I would not want to listen to that for the remainder of my life. That's a good point. Yeah. When, when you're in situations and I've been in situations like this where you haven't heard music in months it gets to the point where you're like, I'll fucking take anything right now. Like, yeah. I'll even listen to country music if you give it I'll to me. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we cut back to Earth, where a press conference is taking place. Another press conference. Uh, the reporters are going crazy with the news about Mark. And Teddy calls on individual reporters to, to let them ask their questions. And he gives them all very short answers like, we're working on it. We'll be looking into it. No. (laughs) That's pretty much his answers that he gives them. Do you like Teddy at this point? I don't. I I don't think I like him at all in this entire movie. I don't like him. You're supposed to be the director of NASA and everything is like failing for you. (laughs) Like... You're making all the wrong decisions, all the wrong calls. Like, come on, dude. I, I didn't like him at all. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Soul 70. It's time to start thinking long term. Mark starts shorting his car. Uh, oh, God. What did I just say? <laughs> Mark-, Mark starts charting his course to... <laughs> to the landing site of the next Ares mission, which will be in another four years. He has to travel 3,200 kilometers, and he has one rover that's designed to travel a max distance of 35 kilometers before the battery has to be recharged at the HAB. Problem B, this journey will take him roughly 50 days to complete. In the face of overwhelming odds, Mark realizes He's left with only one option. He's going to have to science the shit out of this. And those are his words. I loved it. I I even like wrote the quote in my notes and put fucking hilarious next to it. I loved it when he said that. (laughs) Telling you, man, y'all haven't seen this. You're expecting some dramatic, boring movie. It's not. It's not boring at all. It's humorous, too, and you don't expect it to be. Yeah, I love this. Love this fucking movie. Yeah. Um, so Mark begins conducting smaller drives in the rover so that he can see what he'll have to fix or bring with him or, you know, whatever the case is. Um, he ends up doubling his battery life by scavenging rover one. But if he uses the heater... He'll burn through half the battery in a day. 
And if he doesn't use the heater, he'll freeze to death at night. Good news is, Mark has an idea on how to fix the heating problem. Bad news is, he'll have to dig up a radioisotope thermoelectric generator. I'm going to call it an RTG for short. And Mark basically just says, like, as long as uh, he doesn't break the RTG, everything will be fine. So he goes and, and digs it up, puts it in the rover, and he records a video log from the rover. And he says, look, point is, I'm not cold anymore. And sure, I could choose to think the fact that I'm warm is because I have a decaying radioactive isotope riding right behind me. But right now, I have bigger problems on my hands. I have scoured every single data file on Commander Lewis's personal drive, and this is officially the least disco song she owns. And then he plays Hot Stuff by Donna Summer. (laughs) (laughs) It's just as funny when you say it. Is it should I like writing? Should I have had the music like ready on standby to play? Uh copyright. Fair enough. (laughs) He continues driving the rover and starts tapping his foot and swinging his shoulders back and forth as he does, really getting into the the music that he has playing. Yep. (laughs) And the next scene opens at yet another press conference where the reporters are asking Vincent where Mark is, where he's going, and why. To which Vincent answers their questions. Annie and Vincent walk into a large room where a bunch of NASA employees are, including Teddy, uh, Mindy, and Mitch Henderson, who is the Hermes flight director. And in case you're wondering, the Hermes is basically... A larger ship that is in Mars's orbit that the ship that they flew down to the surface of Mars connects onto and just basically gets them to Earth faster and more efficiently. Yeah, it's it's like the um the it's like a pod that attaches to the space station. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because that the the, the MAV MAV and MAV stands for Mars Ascension Vehicle, and basically it's just a ship to get them from the surface of Mars to Mars's orbit. Yeah. Where they then can connect to Hermes and get the fuck out of there. <laughs> <laughs> so they te- they talk to Bruce, who is the director of the Jet Propulsion Lab. However, he's in a different location, so they just talk on a large TV with a webcam over like zoom or some shit i don't know this guy's is the same guy that plays as as wong in the mcu over zoom (laughs) i don't think they had zoom back then (laughs) when this came out um okay well this movie obviously takes place in the future if they're going to mars and shit so oh my god oh my god okay (laughs) whatever (laughs) wong yeah wong shocked i was shocked when i saw him i literally screamed wong (laughs) if only he could have just pulled some sorcerer supreme shit and opened up a portal for mars i know man mark not mars (laughs) i'm surprised that's the first time i've done that 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, they all discuss ways of trying to bring Mark home, and Teddy tells Bruce to make a pre-supply mission for Mark within three months. Mitch suggests, and also Mitch is played by um, Sean Bean, who played Zeus in Percy Jackson. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was him. Yet oh another my God. connection. Oh my God! <laughs> it only happens with your movies, too. I'm telling you, I swear I'm not doing it on purpose. Like, even this movie, you can attest to that. Like, we chose this together. I can't, no, no. I oh, suggested God. the movie initially, and then I was like, have you ever seen The Martian? You're like, yeah, whatever. And then you were the one that was like, oh, like, and this wasn't even the same day. It was like a, a week or two later. You're like, oh, what if we do the Martian on this day? So technically it was your suggestion. <laughs> I swear, I swear I did not plan this. I don't know what's happening. I get freaked out every single time we record because I don't know what's fucking happening. <laughs> I still don't believe it whatever uh ne- next week next week there shouldn't be there shouldn't be any connections <laughs> we'll fucking see i can already think of one it's a loose connection but i can think of it we'll see see that immediately proves my point right there because next week is your trust me you'll like it and obviously i've never seen that movie before so yeah or maybe you're just like doing some shit to my mind to make me pick certain movies that have connections. <laughs> I'm a witch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's happening. It's so weird. <laughs> Anyways, Mitch suggests that they tell the crew of Ares 3 that Mark is still alive. But everybody else just wants to wait until they at least have a real plan. Soul 79. Mark says it's been 49 souls since he planted the potatoes. So now it's time to reap and re-sow. He now has 400 healthy potato plants. Mark looks at the map on his computer screen, and after a moment, he says, I know what I'm going to do. We cut to a shot of him driving the rover across the uh, desert-like surface of Mars. And then we cut back to Mission Control on Earth, where Mindy says, he's moving again. And Vincent asks where he's going and states that he hasn't changed course for 13 days. But then he has a sudden realization and he he says, I need a map. And then Mindy and Vincent rush upstairs to the kitchen area. Vincent removes a framed photo of Mars or the surface of Mars. It's just like a a specific area uh, on the surface of Mars, not like the entire thing. Um, But then he takes what? A close up shot. Yeah. He takes a marker and a ruler to basically just map out some points and then he connects them with the line and he tells Mindy he knows where Mark is going and he needs to get on a plane you work at NASA guy and you're taking a picture of Mars' surface off the wall plotting points with an expo marker and a ruler I don't know if I buy this I don't know if I buy it What do you mean you don't know if you buy it? 
he did no calculations. <laughs> How did he even know that that photo in the kitchen I know upstairs that, yeah. was like <laughs> the exact one that he needed? I don't buy it. Slightly unbelievable, but it's okay. <laughs> I'll cut them slack on that one because everything else is, you know, as far as I know, which is not a lot, makes pretty good sense. Yeah. And we cut back to Mars where Mark is exiting the rover and he just starts looking around for something. And then we cut back to Earth where an SUV is pulling up to the jet propulsion lab. Vincent exits the car and enters the building. He's greeted by Bruce and the two make their way to a little storage building. Back on Mars, Mark is still looking around and he finds some kind of parachute that's buried beneath the sand just a little bit. And then back on Earth, Vincent is asking Bruce Mark's chances of getting it working again. And Bruce tells him, it's hard to say, we lost contact in 97. Vincent and Bruce meet up with everyone at JPL, which is Jet Propulsion Lab, just acronyming it. Uh, they meet up with everybody that was at JPL in 1997. Or at least not literally everybody, but at least a couple of people who worked on that specific mission. Mark continues digging the Mars dirt up until he sees a panel and he says, Pathfinder. The guys at JPL uncover a small little spaceship and Vincent says, Pathfinder. Mark begins digging with a shovel until he successfully, successfully excavates Pathfinder and a little tiny rover. Like, I, I don't know. Is that like, was that like the Mars rover? Like the little one that? Oh, I, I don't know, actually. He kind of keeps that little one as like a pet. Yeah. Do you notice it that? Like be. it just, it just like rides around the hab while he's in there. Yeah, it could be like the the one that we have up there and it's like old so they sent up a new one and that because he buried he un unburied that i can't speak tonight he unburied it so it could be the original one and he just uses it as a little pet yeah he's all by himself man <laughs> i would have done the same thing i'm not gonna lie yeah <laughs> i would i would have i would have actually done the same thing and talked to it like it was a pet it's like in the um the <laughs> you're about to give me so much shit. The Star Wars game Fallen Order <laughs> Cal and um BD1. You played the fucking game <laughs> and you haven't seen the movies? I did. I loved what? the game. The game was so much fun. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Okay, so I played the game because I bought the game as a present for Dylan and then he never played it. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to fucking play it. And I loved it. <laughs> he still hasn't played it to this day. <laughs> you disappoint me. <laughs> Every time we get on this shit. I knew that was going to fuck you up. <laughs> in some way or another, it's just like God, <laughs> why? <laughs> Anyways, Mark, we already did that. He he begins digging out the Pathfinder. Oh my God, I really fucked you up. 
<laughs> he uses a crane. He doesn't pick up the whole Pathfinder on his own because it's a small spaceship, and obviously that's impossible, even with the gravity on Mars. Uh, but there, there's a little crane on the back of the rover too, which is the bigger rover that he drives around in. And he just lifts it up with the crane onto the back of the rover. And then he heads back to the towards the hab. Seriously, dude. Like, <laughs> why would you? I don't care. I don't even care anymore. Soul 109. Mark offloads Pathfinder just outside the hab. Annabelle is currently dying right now. He takes off a panel on the side of Pathfinder, grabs a power source from inside. Looked like a big-ass electric car battery, in my opinion. Connects it to Pathfinder, and he tries to turn it on. Nothing happens. Are you good now? I think I'm okay. <laughs> I think I'm okay. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Okay, all right. At JPL, they've set up their Pathfinder in the empty storage building, and Mark's Pathfinder turns on, finally, and when it does, the computers at JPL activate, and it begins to show Pathfinder's communication logs. Tim, who is an employee of JPL, activates the camera on their Pathfinder, and then the camera on Mark's Pathfinder rises up too. Mark rushes inside, grabs three signs, and begins writing on them. He takes the signs back outside, sticks them in the ground in the direction facing the camera, and basically the middle sign says, are you receiving me? And then on each side, there's a sign that says yes or no. Um, Vincent and the guys at JPL receive the message, and they point the camera to yes. Mark cheers as the camera on his Pathfinder points to yes. And then we cut to Mark back inside the hab recording a new video log while making some food. And Mark says, so here's the rope. Somehow we have to have a complex astrophysical conversation while using nothing but a still frame camera from 1996. Luckily, the camera does spin. So I can make an alphabet. But due to the rotation of the camera, he can't fit the 26 letters of our alphabet plus a question card. So we'll have to use hexadecimals. By the way, have you ever heard anybody use the term, so here's the rub? No. Neither I've never heard that. Thought it was kind of weird. Felt weird reading it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, luckily for Mark, super nerd Beth Johansson has a little... Uh, I forget how you say it. A C, A S C I I. A S C I. Oh, I I don't know. It's basically like a, a little table that has like all the hexadecimal translations. Uh, the next soul, Mark creates his hexadecimal alphabet around Pathfinder using all these signs that he wrote on, and Tim from JPL knows where he's going with this. So the people at JPL create their own little hexadecimal alphabet around the Pathfinder. JPL sends Mark a message using the Pathfinder, or both Pathfinders really, and Mark goes inside to translate it, and it says, How alive. <laughs> <laughs> How alive. <laughs> 
I understand, like, you know, you don't want to make the shit too long. Yeah. But there's just something comical about how alive. Yeah. <laughs> Could have Mark... just said how or alive, question mark. <laughs> yeah. Pretty funny. Um, Mark writes on a sign and tells them about what happened. And it basically just says that, you know, here's the situation that happened. I don't blame the crew. Their conversation, their conversations grow more complex over time. And they eventually end up telling Mark basically how to hack the Rover 2 so that it can communicate with Pathfinder. After he changes around some code, he'll be able to communicate with NASA via message instead of having to do the whole camera thing, um, which he successfully does rearrange the code to do so. Vincent types out a message to Mark, and it says, Mark, this is Vincent Kapoor. We've been watching you since Soul 54. The whole world is rooting for you. Amazing job getting Pathfinder. We're working on rescue plans. Meantime, we're putting together a supply mission to keep you fed until Ares 4 arrives. As Vincent types the message, we can see that it's being broadcasted to mission control at NASA over the big screens. So everyone's just standing around watching the conversation. Mark receives the message and he basically almost tears up as it comes through and he responds by saying, glad to hear, really not looking forward to dying. And everyone just laughs in relief. Did this movie, this could just be a me thing, I don't know, but did this movie like emotionally fuck with you a little bit? A little bit. There's a couple times where like I, I teared up. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. This is one of those movies that's like every time I watch it, it feels like I'm there and experiencing the same emotions as everybody else. It's Matt Damon, man. He is great. Uh, He did fantastic in this and like showing the emotions that he needed to like, like he kept it cool. But then like once he got this message, like okay they they know that i'm here and they've known for a little bit and i'm finally in contact with them and i can i can talk to them it's like it's like relief it's like tears of relief that he gives and i i it's so great he does such an amazing job i completely agree i think as a matter of fact i i don't think anybody in this movie did a bad job yeah honestly yeah, they all did great. Um, when Mark asks how the crew is and what their response was when they found out that he was still alive, Bruce basically just tells all the guys at JPL to give the two of them a moment. Um, and Bruce tells Vincent to just tell them that they don't know. And Vincent does it. And from outside of the rover, too, we can see Mark on the inside reading the message. And he inaudibly says, or screams rather, what the fuck? <laughs> and then he sends them back a very colorful message. And because it's being broadcasted all around the world, you know, they tell him, watch your language. Like, the, everybody's watching this. And Mark says, yeah? And then he types out a message that is not shown, but was also clearly very colorful. And then the next shot opens with Teddy on the phone apologizing to the president for what mark said <laughs> good stuff <laughs> uh come on they can't be mad at that dude was left on fucking mars 
Like, come on. They they can't be mad at that. I know, like, <laughs> come on now. You left well, how on would Mars. you how <laughs> would you respond if you were left on Mars and your crew was not informed that they did not in fact leave you for dead, that you're still alive. Yeah, and and they left anyways. It's not even like they were just co-workers. Like you can tell in like their banter and how they talk to each other. They're genuine friends. Like, come on. Come on, dude. They're not just a crew. They're a family. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, Teddy, Annie, and Mitch sit in Teddy's office and talk about telling the crew. And Mitch events eventually convinces Teddy to tell them. And uh, deep in space between Mars and Earth, we see the Hermes, which I have here in my notes what the Hermes is, but I already explained it, so I'm going to skip that. It's the ship that the map connects to. Yeah. Anyways, the crew receives a um, data dump, which I'm assuming is just a large collection of personal videos and messages and shit like that that they just compile all together and send to the crew. It's um, like when um when you lose a uh, service and you finally get it back, you get all your messages and your calls and yeah at once, at once yeah yeah that's exactly what happened. So um, one of the things that the crew receives in this data dump is a video message addressed to the entire crew. They all gather around to watch the video and it's Mitch telling, telling them basically that Mark is alive and he tells them the basics of the situation and that Mark has expressed every time it's brought up that he does not blame them. The crew is shocked, saddened, and angry Commander Lewis blames it on herself, but the crew reassures her that it's not her fault. Um, but it, it just doesn't work. Soul 128, back on Mars. Mark is recording a new video log, and he says, So now that NASA can talk to me, they won't shut up. He goes on to tell us that NASA has a whole team of people trying to micromanage his crops, to which he responds with, Not to sound arrogant or anything, but I am the greatest botanist on this planet. <laughs> <laughs> the plus side of Mark being in communications with NASA now is that they can send him data dumps. And his favorite one comes from his alma mater, Chicago University. And they said, once you grow crops somewhere, you've officially colonized it. So technically, I colonized Mars. In your face, Neil Armstrong. <laughs> And then he tells us that they've requested for him to pose for photos. And he jokingly mocks some some silly little poses. Well, I think one of them was like prom night or something like that. It was like um, prom night. And then what was the other one? Oh, I don't remember. But oh, yeah, really? they're like super cheesy poses. No, the um, school picture. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> We um we jump to a little mini montage of Mark working on the Pathfinder and the song Starman by David Bowie plays. Been stuck in my head ever since I watched this movie. I even after today's events listened to that song on my way home. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then Mark Mark ends up posing for his photo. And he just does a double thumbs up, smiling. He says, hey. Um, and <laughs> he they, does the they, fonts. <laughs> yeah. 
Annie is upset with Vincent over the photo because she can't use it, but everyone at JPL and Mitch and Vincent all find it amusing. Vincent, Annie, Mitch, Bruce, and Teddy talk about the margins of sending Mark some food via video call. Not sending the food via video call, that's not possible, but they talk about (laughs) sending the food while on a video call. (laughs) I was reading that and I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> um, and Teddy says, it's all assuming that nothing goes wrong. We cut back to Mars working or shit. We cut back to Mark on the Mars. There it is again. Working on the hab <laughs> at night. Mark goes back inside the hab through the airlock. But when he activates the airlock, it malfunctions and explodes. Luckily, though, because it's in space, there was no fire or anything. Um, the airlock with Mark Stone side just goes flying through the air several yards away. And um, the inside of the hab is filled with the vacuum of space. Mark's suit informs him that the suit has been breached. And that's because there is a crack. Actually, it's like almost basically three cracks going through his helmet. And his um, oxygen level reaches critical as he grabs some duct tape off of his belt and he begins just taping up the cracks on his helmet. His oxygen level is now at 10%, so he tapes even faster. 5%, and he finally tapes it up enough to just seal the breach for the time being. And that's the end of the movie. Thanks for all listening, you guys. (laughs) See y'all next week. That's it. That's all. That's all, folks. Just kidding. It's Annabelle's turn. It's my turn. Uh, So, yeah. Mark tapes up his helmet. He gets up. He goes inside the wrecked base and looks around at all of his now frozen crops. All of them dead. All of his potatoes are gone. He grabs a spare spacesuit and helmet, leaves the station, and gets in a rover. He gets the pressure stabilized in the rover, takes off his helmet, just looks defeated, angrily screams God a couple times while punching the roof, and then he calms down a little. We cut to Vincent telling everyone at NASA that the crops died. Mark can't grow anymore, but he still has enough for 200 souls. The rations he has will get him to soul 409, And then you add in the potatoes and he can get to soul 609. So by soul 868, he'll pretty much be dead. They need to speed up the supply run and the prelim engineers estimate a 414 day travel. It's soul 135 now. They need 13 days to mount the boosters and perform inspections, which gives Bruce and his team 47 days to make the probe. Bruce gets overwhelmed by this information and tells everyone that he's with that he needs a change of clothes. Yes. <laughs> I just went and got a, a Snapple. You want to know my Snapple fact? Oh, what's your Snapple fact? <laughs> Only male turkeys gobble. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Also, if y'all heard me waver there for a second, it's because when Matt got up, he flipped me off. So I was trying not to laugh. (laughs) Double-handed, too. 
double handed. That's his trademark. The double handed. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Martinez types a message to Mark. He says, apparently NASA is letting us talk to you now. And I drew the short straw. Sorry, we left you behind on Mars, but we just don't like you. Also, it's a lot roomier on the Hermes without you. We have to take turns doing your tasks. But I mean, it's only botany. It's not real science. How's Mars? I love their relationship. <laughs> I love Martinez. I love him. Oh my God. It's, it's so funny. Mark responds, dear Martinez, Mars is fine. I accidentally blew up the hab, but unfortunately, all of Commander Lewis's disco music still survived. Every day I go outside and look at the vast horizons just because I can. Tell all the others I said hello. And Martina says, I will, buddy. I loved it. I loved all of that. It's so, so funny. I can't. I can't. And it, it really shows you that they're not just a crew, not just co-workers. They're, they're friends. Like, there's a oh, relationship yeah. established there. Like, I would even say close friends, too. Oh, to be yeah, able to like definitely. joke with each other like that and yeah oh yeah <laughs> uh, if that was me i'd be typing that message and be like oh is that too far <laughs> <laughs> okay if it was me stranded on mars would you be typing that message thinking is that too far i would totally type that message but then i would put like at the end like ps like i am so sorry <laughs> can't put any, you can't put any emojis so I know you can't. No laughing faces. I'd be like, I am so sorry. I really, we we do like you. We did not mean to leave you on Mars. Like we thought you were dead. (laughs) Well, if by some chance I do ever get stranded on Mars and you are a crew member on a ship, it's all right. You don't have to, you don't have to throw in the I'm sorry part. Oh no. The second I find out, I would turn right around. Be like, we're turning around and we're going to fucking get him. Like this I don't is think ridiculous. that's how it works. It's not how it works, but <laughs> I'd try to figure it out. <laughs> if I was that intelligent, I would try to figure it out. I'm not leaving you on Mars, buddy. <laughs> what if I like it? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Just gonna chill out on a planet by myself? That sounds like a dream. <laughs> sounds like a dream. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway. Uh, we cut to Mark cleaning up the blown up hab. He bungees and tapes a huge uh, like tarp canvas thing over the airlock opening and stabilizes the pressure in the hab. So now uh, he can walk around in there without his suit on. He can breathe, which is actually ballsy. It's very risky to do that. <laughs> It really is. It really it's is. It's literally <laughs> just like that plastic curtain shit and duct tape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like one bad storm. You're fucked if you're not yeah. in your suit. Like you are dead immediately. I don't know if I'd be able to sleep at night knowing that like yeah, the only I... thing between me and Mars is a tarp. Is... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be able to. No, I've. I would I would I would be in the suit the entire time still because like terrified, scared. <laughs> and then another part of me would also be tempted to just poke a hole in it just to see what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see. <laughs> um, 
we cut to a nighttime storm actually and mark is counting out his potatoes and freaking out a little because the storm it's bad it it gets bad like you see him kind of have that that thought like oh shit this might be my last night which wouldn't you go put on the suit if you were scared? i would have i would have yeah oh sorry uh, what are you doing oh my god we're recording a podcast here <laughs> sorry <laughs> get off your phone <laughs> it's i've been talking for the last however how long is this oh there's no timer there's no timer I've been talking. <laughs> i needed i needed a second all righty then <laughs> We cut to Rich, who is played by Donald Glover, passed out in his office. No, pause, 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 pause. Easily one of the most talented human beings on this planet. Oh, yes. I. He can do anything. He can do anything. I love him. I love Donald Glover so much. Same. Mus- yes. Musically, actingly, directingly. Directingly. He could, he could do anything. He anything. could. He could be present. Well, I'm saying he could do anything, and I would like it. Yeah. Period. And like, I don't, I don't know about you, but his character in this, the way he delivers this next scene, I, I very much was seeing like, in Community, Troy pretending to be Abed. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that that's the vibe. The way he was like his mannerisms and how he delivered everything he was saying. Yeah, it was very much like Troy, but he's trying to be Abed. <laughs> I wonder if he was thinking about that while while filming and doing it. He might have been to like get across the uh character of like a nerdy NASA employee. He probably was. That'd be cool. Yeah, I can see it. Anyway, uh, he's passed out on a couch in his office. His boss wakes him up and asks him for the probe courses. Rich asks him what time is it. While stumbling to get up, he grabs a coffee mug, takes a swig out of it, trips, grabs a trash can as he's tripping, spits it into the trash can, and realizes that it's one of those mesh metal trash cans. So the liquid just goes everywhere. It was pointless. <laughs> and then he just drops the trash can. He doesn't even he set it back it. down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he like throws it and then sits at his computer. <laughs> uh, his boss tells him, I know we're coming at this backwards, but we can't commit to a firm launch date with this many unknowns. And Rich responds, it's all right. Um, All 25 models for launch will take 414 days to reach Mars. They vary slightly in thrust duration, and the fuel requirement is nearly identical. His boss asks, it's not a good time to launch, is it? And Rich responds, yeah, Earth and Mars are really badly positioned. Heck, it's almost easier if you, um, and then he pauses and is having some type of epiphany realization, uh, doesn't speak. Brain blast, yeah. <laughs> uh, he doesn't speak to his boss at all. Actually, he does. He says, I need more coffee. Briskly gets up, slips on all the papers all over his floor, uh, jumps back up real quick, 
pours some coffee, rushes back to his computer, not answering any of his boss's questions. His boss goes to leave, tells him, you do know I'm your boss, right? And Rich nods while stuffing his face with food and his boss leaves just like that. <laughs> uh, we then cut to a video call with Bruce and Sanders. Sanders asks him if the probe is going to be ready on time and Bruce tells him they're behind and it will be ready in 15 days. It I see be- you decided to go with the last name, huh? I did. I don't like Teddy. Me and Teddy are on first name basis. You know, it's, it's whatever. I'm Director of NASA. Like the last name. <laughs> I don't want to be on a first name basis with him. <laughs> well, I, I would just you know, call them stupid. <laughs> I know you're jealous. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, it's going to take them 13 days to mount the probe. Uh, Vincent interrupts that it will only take three days to mount the probe, but they could get it to two. And then it will take 10 days for tests and inspections. Sanders asks him, how often do those inspections reveal a problem? And Mitch says, are you suggesting we don't do the inspection? Sanders tells him right now, I'm asking how often they reveal a problem. And Vincent says, one in 20, but that's grounds for countdown halt. Mitch says, we can't take that chance. And Sanders says, anyone else know a safer way to buy more time? Everyone is silent. And he tells Dr. Keller to stretch Watney's rations four more days. You're not going to like it, but that will get us to 15. And we'll cancel the inspections. Everyone is concerned. Annie says, sir, if that ever got out. And he interrupts her and says, it's on me. You got your two weeks. Get it done. Stupid fucking mistake. Big, stupid fucking mistake. Just a dumbass idea. You're ordering not to do inspections on this probe that has all oh, the supplies. I, I thought you meant I thought you meant stretching the stretching the rations. No, the the inspections part. Yeah. So dumb. Clearly we find out later fucking stupid. Yeah, tell us why that's a stupid decision. I will. Uh we first though, we cut back to Mark talking to the camera back at the hab. It's soul 154. Mark says, now I have to hold out until the probe gets here with more food. You want to see what minimal calorie count looks like? Standard issue ration, but instead of three of these every day, I'm now eating one of these every three days as he cuts his ration into portions. And Don't Leave Me This Way by Thelma Houston is playing in the background. He continues on, now they've asked me to do that as he cuts his ration, lastly, into a literal bite-sized portion. He sits down and talks more to the camera. The point is, stretching the rations four more days is a real sick punch. I'm going to dip this potato in some crushed up Vicodin, and there's nobody who can stop me. It has been seven days since I ran out of ketchup. Correction. You You said it's a real sick punch? Yeah. Mark says it's a real dick punch. <laughs> My subtitles say sick. Mine said dick. So wow. <laughs> either I have an overly sexually active Amazon or <laughs> one of us. My is Amazon wrong. <laughs> censored. I need to change that. Yeah, my subtitle said sick. 
Mine definitely said dick. <laughs> okay. It's a real dick punch. That's that see, that sounds doesn't, better, actually. Doesn't it make more sense? It does. I, I was going through the notes like before we recorded, and I was like, is that right? That sounds odd. <laughs> no. Oh, leave it to me to fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh Cut to Jet Propulsion's laboratory four weeks later. They are packing the probe and getting it ready for launch. Mitch begins launch status check and asks Vincent if he believes in God. And Vincent responds, yeah, my father was a Hindu, my mother a Baptist. I believe in several. And Mitch says, we'll take all the help we can get. Everyone is very nervous because they are packing this probe with all of these supplies for Mark to keep him alive while he's stranded on fucking Mars, and they haven't done any tests or inspections on this probe at all. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. They have one shot, and they're risking it. Fucking stupid. Sounds like a goddamn good all good idea to me. Yep. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> it's only sending something from Earth to Mars. How how wrong could it possibly go? It's not rocket science. No. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch says they are a go for launch. Someone counts down and the probe launches. We cut to Rich back at his office, still frantically working out whatever he realized before. And then we cut back to the probe launch. Everything looks good. Everyone cheers. Uh, one man doesn't cheer, and he tells Mitch they are getting a very large procession. It's spinning on the long axis. Almost said a, a bad word there. They're spinning a... on large asses. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're spinning on the, asses. The, lar- the long, long, long. Which asses. is it? <laughs> Large or long ass? Did I say large before? <laughs> I don't remember now. <laughs> oh, this is a mess. Uh, on the long axis around a 17 degree procession. Mitch asks the launch center what is happening and they tell him the force on Iris, that's the name of this probe, Iris, is 7 Gs and comms technician says we've lost all readings on the probe. Everyone gets concerned, and then they all watch the probe blow up. Stupid. Press F to pay respects. What? Press F to pay respects. Come on. Can you get cultured (laughs) in video game terminology? (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. Also, I pressed F and my computer made a sound that was like, don't fucking do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, you're about to end everything. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make sure our call is still going here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, we cut to Vincent receiving a message from Mark asking how the lunch went. He just looks upset like he's not sure how he's going to tell him. And then we cut to Mars. It is Sol 186. Mark is sitting on a rock looking out at the horizon, and we hear a voiceover of him reading a message he is typing to Commander Lewis. He says, I need you to do something for me. 
If I die, I need you to check in on my parents. They'll want to hear all about our time here on Mars. I know it sucks and it'll be hard talking to a couple about their dead son. It's a lot to ask, which is why I'm asking you. I'm not giving up. We just need to prepare for every outcome. Please tell them I love what I do and I'm really good at it. And I'm dying for something big and beautiful and greater than me. Tell them I said I can live with that and tell them thank you for being my mom and dad. I teared up at this. Not going to lie. I teared up a little bit. Understandable. Yeah. Uh, We then cut to the China National Space Administration. And we see two important space people. I I don't know their names. Um, Wow, that was a very intelligent (laughs) sentence you just said. They're important (laughs) space people. (laughs) I'm a very intelligent person, Matt. (laughs) I can tell. Uh, They're watching a news broadcast of Vincent and Sanders explaining to America that the probe blew up because they had to accelerate the schedule so the inspections were not done. Which I'm surprised they admitted to what they did. I'm surprised that happened. Yeah, I mean, what what else are they going to do? Lie about it? Yeah, it's America. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) No comment. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, the two people talk about how Mark is going to die and that there are other options. They have a booster from their Tai Yang Shen project with enough fuel for a Mars injection orbit. NASA hasn't approached them because nobody knows about it. Their technology is classified and they discuss whether to help America or not. Uh, We then cut to Sanders on the phone. He gets off the phone and yells yes, because China just saved his ass. And then we cut to Bruce telling a room full of scientists, thanks to his uncle Tommy in China, we get another chance at this. We finished the Irish probe in 62 days. We are now going, we are now going to attempt to finish it in 28. We cut to Rich running calculations at NASA's supercomputer until he gets a correct calculation. We cut again to Rich busting into Vincent's office, telling him he should hang up the phone. My name is Rich Purnell. I work in astrodynamics and you should hang up the phone right now. Vincent hangs up the phone and Rich tells him, I know how to save Mark. Your probe plan won't work. Too many things can go wrong. I've got a better way. Cut to Vincent, Rich, Annie. Yes, Matt, before I I get into the scene. Yeah, I just just want to say if Donald Glover busted into my room and told me to hang up the phone, I would say yes, sir, and do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, sir. What else do you want? (laughs) (laughs) um okay cut to vincent rich annie mitch sanders and bruce having a secret meeting vincent what do they call it i'm just about to get to it sorry (laughs) (laughs) wow i just confidence in me I, i didn't think you would get it i watched lord of the rings i got it oh yeah that's right you're one of the advocates I do like Lord of the Rings. Yes, I do. All right. Continue. I apologize. (laughs) Vincent named the project 
Project Elrond from Lord of the Rings. And what's what's funny about that? It's funny because Annie's standing there and she's all like, no. why'd you name it Elrond? And Bruce is all like, come on, like Elrond, Lord of the Rings. Like, you know, that's, that's the secret meeting because it's a secret council where they discuss getting the ring. Yes, but no. Yes, but no. What am I missing? Sean, Sean Bean, the character or the guy who plays oh, Mitch. Oh my God. He's in the Lord of the Rings. He is. Oh my God, he is. Oh, that is really funny. I like that. Good, good catch, Matt. Good catch. That's why I keep you here. Oh, okay. <laughs> Noted. Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, Rich tells them he can get the Hermes back to Mars by Soul 561. And Sanders asks how. And Rich gets up and tells Annie and Sanders to stand spread out in front of him. Grabs a stapler and pretends that the stapler is Hermes, Sanders is Earth, and Annie is Mars. He explains, right now the Hermes is headed towards Earth, starting its month-long deceleration to intercept. But instead, what I'm proposing is we start accelerating immediately to preserve velocity and gain even more. We don't intercept Earth at all but we come close enough to get a gravity assist and adjust course. While we're doing that, we resupply with Tai Yang Shen, pick up whatever provisions we need, and now we're accelerating towards Mars. Now we're going too fast at this point to fall into orbit, but we can do a flyby. Watney would intercept using the MAV, and then we just head home. I've done the math, checks out. Sanders tells him to get out and asks Vincent and Bruce if he's right and what they think, and they think it could work. Sanders asks if we need to use the Tai Yang Shen. Annie asks, what am I missing? Why is that important? And Vincent explains, because they can only do one. Send Watney enough food to last till, a- till Aries 4, or send Hermes back to get him right now. Both plans require the Taiyang Shen, so we have to choose. That was a real tongue twister for me. Wow, that was rough. I'm kind of surprised that Rich was the only person who came up with this idea. I know, right? Out of like, out of everybody at NASA, he's the only one. The director of fucking NASA didn't think of this. Maybe Rich should be taking your fucking job, Teddy. (laughs) Oh, now the first name comes out. (laughs) Yeah. Ted, even. Ted. (laughs) Ugh, I hate him. Uh, Annie wonders about the Hermes crew. They'd be asking them to add an extra 533 days to their mission. And Mitch says they wouldn't hesitate, not for a second. Sanders asks if the Hermes can function 533 days beyond the scheduled mission. And Vincent responds, it should. It was built to last the full Aries mission plan. So technically it's only halfway through its lifespan. They discuss on how they're going to make this decision of either saving Mark and risking the crew or risking Mark and saving five people, the crew, pretty much. Sanders says he's not going to risk five astronauts' lives when they know they can bring them home safe. 
And Mitch says it's bullshit and that it should be Commander Lewis's call. And Sanders tells him they're going with option one. Mitch calls him a goddamn coward and leaves. Cut to Hermes traveling through space. Vogel goes to talk to, is it Johansson or Johansson? Johansson. Johansson. He tells her he just got an email from his wife and the subject line says our children. His computer won't open the attachment. So Johansson, Johansson looks at why it's not opening and it's because it's not a JPEG file. It's a different file. Someone from NASA leaked to the crew Rich's plan to go get Mark through an email from Vogel's wife. The crew discusses that they ran the numbers and it checks out. Beck asks why all the cloak and dagger and Lewis explains that it would go directly against NASA's decision. If they do the maneuver, they'd have to send the supply ship or we die. We have the opportunity to force their hand. If it was up to her, they'd already be on their way, but it's not her decision this time. This is something NASA expressly rejected. We're talking about mutiny here, which is not a word that I take lightly. So we do this together or not at all. And before you answer, consider the consequences. If we mess up the supply rendezvous, we die. If we mess up the Earth gravity assist, we die. If we do everything perfectly, we add 533 days to our mission. 533 more days until we see our families again. 533 days of unplanned space travel where anything could go wrong. If it's mission critical, we die. Martinez immediately responds, sign me up. And Lewis says, slow down. You and I were military. Chances are we go home, they'll court-martial us. And for the rest of you guys, I guarantee they will never send you back up here again. Beck says, good. So if we go for it, how would it work? And Johansson brings up that NASA could remote override them from mission control and then explains very detailed and with big words what she would have to do to disable that. And Martinez interrupts her with, okay, but in English, what would that mean? And she agrees that she could do it. And they all unanimously vote yes to go against NASA and get Mark. NASA Control Center gets a message from Hermes saying, Houston, please be advised. Rich Purnell is a steely-eyed missile man. They are all confused and see that Hermes is drifting off course. You got anything? Anything to add? Anything? Yeah, I was just going to say, if you were stranded on Mars and I had to make the decision to go back, I'd probably be pretty reluctant, but I guess I'd... You would leave me there? I guess I'd go back. I guess I'd go back. That... Wow. You'd fucking owe me, though. 533 <laughs> days. <laughs> oh, my God. I think I would owe you my life. <laughs> Anything you need, dude. Shit. <laughs> Come over and do my chores. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Water my grass and feed my cat. Yeah, I'll make that, what? It's 11 hours to Florida, so it's probably eight hours to Georgia from here. (laughs) I'll make that drive, sure. Every day. Every day, oh my God. You can't stay at my house. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to stay at your fucking house. Good, you're not allowed to anyways. Go back back to where you came from and then come back again tomorrow. At that point, it's literally like you make it like three quarters of the way home, turn around and come back. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm taking your cat with me. No. Yes, not happening. I'm, I'm taking Thor. No. Yeah. I'm He's never him. met you, but I, I'd be willing to bet he doesn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh God. A, a minute ago when I had like half my headphones off and he gave me that weird look. Yeah, what what's going on? I over was there? doing that. I could hear him outside my room meowing. Oh. <laughs> I was like, uh, there's a cat out there. There's a cat out there. <laughs> oh goodness. Where the fuck was I at? Um okay, they're drifting out course. Cut to Mitch and Sanders talking. Sanders says Annie will go before the media this morning and inform them of NASA decision to reroute the Hermes to Mars. Mitch says, sounds like a smart move considering the circumstances. Whoever gave them the maneuver only passed along information crew. The crew made the decision on their own. Sanders says, you may have killed them, Mitch. We're fighting the same war every time. Something goes wrong. The world forgets why we fly. I'm trying to keep us airborne. It's bigger than one person. Mitch says, no, it's not. And Sanders tells him when this is over, he expects his resignation and to bring their astronauts home. We cut to Mars, Sol 219, and Mark is talking to his camera again. He says, every Ares mission requires three years of supplies. So NASA decided it's a lot easier to send some of the stuff beforehand than to bring it with us. So as a result, the MAV for Ares 4 is already there at the... I'm going to butcher this. Shaparelli Crater? Shaparelli Crater? I think it's just like Shaparelli. Shaparelli? I have the book right here, and there's a map at the front. Oh, it's got like a vocabulary thing? No, it's got a map. Oh, a map. Oh, an actual map of Mars. Yeah, I was just looking at how it was spelled. I think it is just Shaparelli. Shaparelli? Okay. Uh, Ares 4 is already there at the Chaparelli crater, just waiting. So the plan is for me to use that to go into orbit just as the Hermes is passing, and I guess they catch me in space? So I've got 200 souls to figure out how to take everything here that's keeping me alive. The oxygenator, the water reclaimer, the atmospheric regulator, bring that all with me, and luckily I have all the greatest minds on Earth, really all of the brain power on the entire planet, helping me with this endeavor. And so far they've come up with, Hey, why don't you drill holes on the roof of your Rover and hit it as hard as you can with a rock? We're going to get there. Cut to Sanders. <laughs> why you just look at me like that? Cause you looked like you were about to say something, but I guess you were. <laughs> Cut to Sanders arriving at the China national space station and Mark counting out his food. He grabs a silver bag and writes goodbye Mars on it. Um, Was that a bag of his waist? <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was a bag of food, but I think it would be funnier if it was. I think it was his... a bag of his waist. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Um <laughs> We then cut to a montage of a bunch of different scenes. Martinez is talking to his family and his wife is pissed that his trip is going to be longer, but then she understands. Bruce takes a photo for Time Magazine and Mark is working. Lewis video chats with her significant other. 
Mitch is arguing with China. Vogel video chats with his family. China launches the probe successfully. The Hermes successfully locked the probe onto their station, and then they make their way towards Mars to go get Mark. Then cut to seven months later on Mars, Sol 461. Mark gets out of the shower, and he is frail, skinny, grout his beard. We hear his voice over as he's working in the hab, and he says, I've been thinking about laws on Mars. There's an international treaty saying no country can lay claim to anything that's not on Earth. And by another treaty, if you're not in any country's territory, maritime law applies. So Mars is international waters. Now NASA is an American non-military organization. It owns the HAB, but the second I walk outside, I'm in international waters. So here's the cool part. I'm about to leave for the Schiaparelli Crater, where I'm going to commandeer the Aries 4 lander. Nobody explicitly gave me permission to do this, and they can't until I'm on board the Aries 4. So that means I'm going to be taking a craft over in international waters without permission, which, by definition, makes me a pirate. Mark Watney, space pirate. I'm so jealous. I wish I could have that title. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> At this point, I'm kind of, like I I'm having a hard time telling if he's going crazy or not cuz like that is so on point with his type of humor that he sounds like he's sane. There's a certain part in this movie where I thought the same thing and I can't remember where it was at. But I think it's just because he's funny. I think it's just because <laughs> he's funny. Yeah, I think he's still perfectly sane. And like these video logs and messaging with the crew and NASA is like what's keeping him sane. And it's just his humor. <laughs> and don't forget about having that little rover pet. Yes, the little rover pet too. Yeah. But yeah, that was so funny that he's literally starving himself to death and the one thing he's thinking about is the fact that he's a space pirate <laughs> if i was able to keep my mental sanity i'd be doing the same thing yeah <laughs> um he shuts down the system uh marks his last day there with his signature and leaves to head to aries 4 we get a bunch of shots of Mars and Mark making his way to the crater and hear a voiceover of him saying, everywhere I go, I'm the first. It's a strange feeling. Step outside the rover, first guy to be there. Climb that hill, first guy to do that. Four and a half billion years, nobody here, and now me. I'm the first person to be alone on an entire planet. That's really crazy to think about, actually yeah it really is but is. at the same time like you remember earlier how he's like i'm literally the greatest botanist on the planet yeah he could <laughs> say that about anything <laughs> you're the only one on the planet <laughs> yeah uh we cut to vincent at mission control asking mindy how mark's doing she tells him he's doing good he drives for four hours before noon, lays the solar panels, waits 13 hours for them to recharge, and sleeps somewhere in there, and then starts again. Vincent asks again, how's he doing? And she says, uh, 
He asked us to call him Captain Blondebeard. <laughs> I'd do that too. <laughs> yeah, I know you would. <laughs> Vincent says, well, technically Mars would be under maritime. And she interrupts him and says, yeah, I know. He, he explained it to us. <laughs> Vincent then asks her where he is. And she points to a spot on the screen. We see a shot of Mars and it's Sol 494. Mark is driving the rover, making his journey, stopping to recharge as the days go by. And by the end of that, it's Sol 517. Cut to a video call of Bruce talking to Vincent and Mitch. He tells them, okay, uh, I'm going to start by stating for the record that you're not going to like this. Mitch says, yeah, the problem is the intercept velocity. The Hermes, well, it can't enter Mars orbit unless they'll never have otherwise complete blank there. They'll never have enough fuel to make it home. The MAV that was only designed to get. Uh... <laughs> Good job. You'll get through this sentence one of these days. <laughs> Oh, I'm glitching. <laughs> Double thumbs up for you. Woo! <laughs> the map that was only designed to get to low Mars orbit. So in order for Mark to escape Mars gravity entirely and to intercept the Hermes. Vincent interrupts and says he has to be going fast. Bruce says, which means we need to make the map lighter, a lot lighter. 5,000 kilograms lighter. Vincent says, you can do that, right? And Bruce says, there's some gimmies right off the bat. The design presumes 500 kilograms of Martian soil in samples. Obviously, we won't do that. And there's just one passenger instead of six. With suits and gear, that's another 500. Ditch the life support, don't need it. And we'll get Mark to wear his EVA suit the whole trip. Vincent says, wait a second, if he's in his EVA suit, how is he going to operate the controls? And Mitch says, well, he won't. Martinez will pilot the MAV control remotely from the Hermes. Vincent says, we've never had a band shipped controlled remotely before, but I am excited about the opportunities that affords. Bruce says, if we go remote, we can lose the control panels, the secondary and tertiary comm systems. Vincent says, wait a second, you want a remote control descent with no backup comms? And Mitch says, Mitch says, he's not even got to the bad stuff yet, Vincent. Vincent tells him, well, skip to the bad stuff. Why are we going over all this? Skip to the, the shit stuff. Bruce says, we need to remove the nose airlock, the windows and hole panel 19. Vincent asks him, you want to take the front of the ship off? And Bruce says, sure, the nose lock alone, the nose airlock alone is 400 kilograms. Vincent is like confirming that he's understanding what Bruce is saying and is like, you want to send a man into space without the front of his ship. And Bruce says, well, no, we're going to have him cover it with hab canvas. The air on Mars atmosphere is so thin, you don't need a lot of streamlining. By the time the ship's going fast enough for air resistance to matter, it'll be high enough that there's practically no air. Vincent tells him, you want to send him into space under a tarp. 
And Bruce says, yes, can I go on now? And Vincent just like shakes his head and says no, like in disbelief, like he's fucking done with that conversation. So yeah, they want to send Mark into space with a tarp covering his ship. If I was Mark, I would be like asking what other possible situations can we try other than this like what else can i get rid of (laughs) besides the front of my ship (laughs) are you kidding me this is so nuts oh my god cut to a message from mark saying are you fucking kidding me and vincent says to mindy you think he means it like are you kidding me all excited like or like are you kidding me? Upset like? And Mindy says, I think it's the second one. And this is like, really? It could be the first. Trying to be all hopeful, but like it's obvious that Mark's like, y'all are fucking idiots. Why the fuck are you suggesting that? Cut back to Mars. Soul 500. Oh, you didn't even do the whole conversation between them. This is one of my favorite God parts of the it. movies. Damn it, Matt. Oh, there's there's parts where I was like, all right, I'm not going to cut it short because Matt called me out on it last podcast. So I'm not going to do it. And the one I decide to cut short that I felt was not that necessary. It's you want to talk about. <laughs> this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I got he's the like, gist of it. He's like asking her, do you think it means like, are you kidding me? I just, or do you think I he means like, that. yeah, but you didn't finish the whole thing. Yes, and, then, I did. and then Mindy, no, Mindy was like, I think it's the second one. And then he's like, are you kidding me? And she's like, ooh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> oh my God. Fuck. I'm if, sorry. If I'm being honest, if you were a character in this movie, I think it would be Mindy. I can't I can't decide whether to take offense to that or to not take offense to that because she works in mission control at NASA so she's super fucking smart. I I can't I can't decide if that's an insult or not. I'll let you absorb that however way you want to take it. Okay. Alrighty then. Anyway, is there anything else you wanted that I miss? <laughs> No, that's it, I guess. No, okay. <laughs> uh, cut back to Mars. Soul 538 at the Ares 4 landing site. Marcus stopped eating and doing a video log saying, I know what they're doing. I know exactly what they're doing. They just keep repeating. Go faster than any man in the history of space travel. Like, that's a good thing. Like, it'll distract me from how insane their plan is. Yeah, I get to go faster than any man in the history of space travel because you are launching me in a convertible. Actually, it's worse than that because I won't even be able to control the thing. And by the way, physicists, when describing things like acceleration, do not use the word fast. So they're only doing that in the hopes that I won't raise any objections to this lunacy because I like the way fastest man in the history of space travel sounds. I do like the way it sounds. I mean, I like it a lot. I'm not going to tell them that. Okay, 
Let's do this. Then Waterloo by ABBA starts playing as Mark makes it to Aries 4. And he takes apart all of the things that they told him to take off for his flight. If you don't know, <laughs> Waterloo was played in, in Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Not Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia, Mama Mia <laughs> is not a real movie. It doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, here was my reaction, all right? Okay, okay. I was like, I was like, is that? Oh my fucking God. <laughs> are you kidding me? You are doing this shit on purpose. You're doing this on purpose. I'm not. I'm really not. Oh my God, I'm really not. I promise I'm not doing this on purpose. I was watching this and it started playing and I immediately just started busting out laughing because I knew, I knew you were going to lose your shit at this. <laughs> So that's what three connections in one fucking movie. Yeah. And it's not even your trust me like it. So it's now at this not. point, you're just cheating. I'm not. I'm not doing anything. That's I'm dude. If somebody out there is like knowledge in like psychic witch type things, like please come to my aid. I'm not doing this on purpose. I swear something is off with B. <laughs> Psychic witch type things. Yeah. Solid. Solid. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. You're you're <sighs> I just want to know what you have planned, really. I don't I don't have anything planned. Honestly, I wish we would have a break from it. <laughs> I don't I don't understand whatever continue <laughs> tired of your shit freaking connecting all your freaking movies oh god okay all right we cut to the crew on the hermes soul 560 commander lewis is going over the mission and they discuss the intercept plan beck says we finish attaching the tethers into one long line it's 214 meters long, and I'll have the MMU, so moving around should be easy. Lewis asks how fast a relative velocity can you handle, and Beck says, I can grab the Mab at 5 meters per second. 10 is like jumping onto a moving train, so any more than that and I might miss. Lewis says, well, we may have some leeway. The launch takes 12 minutes and it'll be 52 minutes before intercept. Once Mark's engines shut off, we'll know our intercept point and velocity. Vogel, you're Beck's backup. Everything goes well. You pull them on board with the tether. If anything goes wrong, you go out after him. Vogel agrees and the plan is made. Cut back to Mars, Sol 561. Mark is eating and writing a note that says, to whomever it may concern, Take care of this rover. It saved my life. And he leaves it and heads into Aries she. 4. She? The rover's a she? Don't question me like that. Go back and watch it. It says, she saved my life. 
Oh, my bad. Shit. It's all right. I'll just do your job for you. <laughs> all right, then. Go ahead. My you shoulders... want to take over the rest oh, of this podcast? Oh, man, my shoulders are getting tired from carrying this whole fucking you... thing. Oh, my God. You want to <laughs> take the fuck over? You got no, the it's all right. the movie? No, it's all right. I need to see the rest of your performance so I know how to evaluate you properly. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to get fired after this. <laughs> Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah, no, I take it back. I would definitely leave you on Mars. <laughs> uh, Cut to newscasters outside NASA, and the entire world is watching this news report on if they are going to be successful bringing home Mark. Mark is cleaning his wounds in the mirror, and you can tell that he's been through some shit. He looks at himself and decided to shave his beard and trim his hair. Gets in his spacesuit and gets in his seat ready to go. Lewis talks to Mission Control and then she talks to Mark. About two minutes, Watney. How you doing down there? Mark responds, I'm good. I'm anxious to get up to you. Thanks for coming back for me. And he gets a little teary-eyed, which I did too. The thanks for coming back for me really, it got me. Yeah. Hit me in the chest. It's a little emotional. First time they're talking and how many souls? Like a lot. A lot. A lot. <laughs> First time they've he's been, talked to anybody. They've been watching him since soul what, 54, 56? 54. 54. Um, this is soul 561. Yeah. 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 It's rough. Um, Lewis says, well, we're on it. Remember, you'll be pulling some serious G's, so it's okay to pass out. You're in Martinez's hands now. And Mark says, well, tell that asshole no barrel rolls. Mark cries like sobs as they go through the checklist before launch. They get to him and he tells them go. And the entire, because the entire world can hear everything they're saying. And they hear him say go and everybody cheers. Um, and then he gets, he launches into the atmosphere. And as he's launching, um, like the camera, like he's sitting in his chair and it, it's pretty empty in the probe. And the camera like spins around him. I really liked how they did that. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> it's pretty nice. It was good. Um, okay. He's going, ascending through Mars's atmosphere. His tarp comes off and he passes out. The tarp coming off caused him to go slower than they wanted him to. So they have to figure out how to make up that time. They decide that they're going to speed up so that they can intercept Mark. He wakes up and talks to Lewis, confirming he's alive. They tell him there's a problem with the velocity and Mark comes up with an idea. He says, well, if I can find something sharp in here and poke a hole in the glove of my EVA suit, I could use the escaping air as a thruster and fly towards you. It would be easy to control because it would be on my arm. Lewis says, I can't see you having any control if you did that. You'd be eyeballing the intercept. Using a thrust vector, you can barely control. 
Mark says, yes, those are all very good points, but consider this. I'd get to fly around like Iron Man. <laughs> Everyone laughs and Mark says, Commander, let's go Iron Man. Lewis, she laughs and then she flips a switch, turning off the communication with mission control. So NASA can't hear what they're saying at all. She says, maybe it's not the worst idea. And Martinez goes, no, it's the worst idea. It's the worst idea ever. And Lewis is like, no, what if he said, what he said using atmosphere as thrust, what happens if we blow the valve? Martinez says, wait, you want to open the vehicular airlock? And Lewis says, it will give us a good kick. Martinez is like, but it'll also blow the nose off the ship. And Johansson chimes in and all the air would leave and we need air to not die. Lewis tells them we would seal the bridge and the reactor room. Everywhere else would go vacuo. Vogel, I need you to come inside and make a bomb. You're a chemist. Can you make a bomb with what you have on board? Vogel tells her probably, but I feel obliged to mention that setting off an explosive device in a spacecraft is a terrible, terrible idea. Vogel finally agrees that he can do it, and Lewis turns communications back on with NASA. She says, Houston, be advised. We are going to deliberately breach the valves to produce a reverse thrust. They all prepare for this plan, and Mark tells Lewis, Commander, I can't let you go through with this. I am prepared to cut the suit. See, the thing is, I'm selfish. I want all the memorials back home to be about me. Just me. They, The crew all laughs, and Lewis says, I should have left this guy on Mars. Johansson helps Vogel make a bomb. She takes the bomb to Beck and connects it to the ship. I want to know why they put it in a bag. <laughs> like, I know, right? Just in case it blows up, I guess. But it, the bag's not going to do anything. To... That was sarcastic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, my bad. <laughs> yeah, they just slipped the bomb into a bag. Yep. It, it's kind of pointless, but okay. Um... She tells Beck to make sure that he's not in there when it goes off and to be careful out there in space. She kisses his helmet, tells him, don't tell anyone I did that, and leaves. Which was like, it was very weird. Like, there's no history of them, like, being any type of thing of, like, flirting or anything. And she just randomly kisses his helmet. <laughs> Yeah, but at the same time, like, it doesn't really focus on those two characters all that much in the movie. It doesn't. So, understandable, doesn't. but I know, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it was just, I was, I was surprised when that happened. I was like, oh, I had no idea these two even had any type of thing for each other. Um, Beck sets the bomb, leaves the airlock. Commander Lewis leaves the command deck and gets in a suit. Beck makes it to the other airlock and Lewis tells him she's not risking another crew member and she's going to be the one to go out to get Mark. They activate the bomb and it slows them down drastically. 
Lewis gets hooked up to the ship and goes out to meet Mark. She reaches the end of her tether and she's too far away. She tells Beck to unhook her and Mark says, Commander, I got this. He does his Iron Man thing and launches out of the ship trying to fly like Iron Man to Lewis, which he successfully does. Somewhat. Somewhat. (laughs) Um, Lewis grabs Mark. He slips, but he grabs her tether and they do this spinning as they're like trying to pull each other, pull themselves to each other. Uh, She finally grabs a hold of him and Martinez says, way to go, Iron Man. Mark tells Lewis, it's good to see you. You have terrible taste in music as they laugh and cry because Mark is finally holding on to another human being. The crew tells Mission Control they got him and NASA and the entire world explode in applause and cheers. They get in the station and everyone continues cheering. Mark hugs and jokes with everyone. Um, I cried a little bit at the scene. It was nice to finally see him in human contact. And it was nice to see him kind of break down there too. Like finally break down after all of this. Yeah. We cut to a shot of Earth from space. And then Mark is sitting on a park bench drinking coffee. He's older now. He looks down and sees a sprout coming up from the gravel and says something like, hey there, little guy, something like that. Hey there. Another missed opportunity to say hello there. Hello there. If you're listening and you've watched Star Wars, that was me. That was not a video or anything. So if that sounded identical to Obi-Wan, <laughs> that was straight up me. <laughs> oh, God. Um... Cadets run past Mark and they all say good morning, sir, to him. We see day one come across the screen and Mark walks into a lecture hall. He tells everyone, welcome to the astronaut cadet program. Now pay attention because this could save your life. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. Let me get a few things out of the way right off the bat. Yes. I did, in fact, survive on a deserted planet by farming in my own shit. Yes, it's actually worse than it sounds. So let's not talk about that ever again. The other question I get most frequently is when I was up there stranded by myself, did I think I was going to die? Yes, absolutely. And that's what you need to know going in because it's going to happen to you. This is space. It does not cooperate. At some point, Everything is going to go south on you. And you're going to say, this is it. This is how I end. Now you can either accept that or you can get to work. That's all it is. You just begin. You do the math. You solve one problem. Then you solve the next one and the next. And if you solve enough problems, you get to come home. All right. Questions? And every single student in the lecture hall raises their hand. And we get the start of the credits. But we also pause, still get pause, some pause, footage. Pause. What? Another correction. Uh, it's astronaut candidacy, not cadet. So this, oh, did I say cadet? Yeah this this will reflect on your performance evaluation. I have candidate in like written on my phone. Yeah, well, <laughs> should have said it. 
I'm getting fired, y'all. This is the last time you're going to hear from me. <laughs> um, we get the credits, but there's some footage with the credits. Uh, Annie is speaking at a press conference. She says, once Mission Control completes their pre-fly checks, we'll begin launch procedures. The Ares 5 team will rendezvous with the Hermes approximately 48 minutes after lunch. From there, they will have 414 days of space travel ahead of them. Did you say after lunch or after lunch? Lunch! It sounded like you said lunch. Oh my god! <laughs> Am I getting tongue-tied? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure I said candidate, too, but whatever. No, you said cadet. Whatever. Uh, whatever. <laughs> um, Vincent tells a reporter... The goals for the Ares program have always been the same this time. This time around, we hope to bring all the astronauts back at the same time. We see a bunch of different scenes. They launch the Ares 5. Lewis is at home. Martinez is part of the crew again on the Ares 5. The launch is successful. Johansson and Beck have a baby together. Vogel is at home with his family. And then we close with a shot of Earth from space. And now we get the credits. Did you go into the part about uh, JPL? What? With When um, Rich walks in and Bruce sees Bruce and they're all like watching the, uh, the launch. Oh, yeah, I didn't write that down. Rich. Yeah, you're in. definitely getting fired. <laughs> Fuck off! Ah, <laughs> Rich comes in and they're all watching, and like Bruce, like welcomes him in to the room as like a a co like an equal, like like you done good, kid. <laughs> Think maybe he might even be working there now. Yeah, probably. He probably definitely got a promotion because he's the reason that they saved Mark. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. Yep. Um, so I have a fun fact for you that you probably don't know. Try me. Were you, were you also looking at the... Um, you watch this no. on Amazon, right? I did watch this on Amazon, but no, I did not look at the, the x-ray thing that they yeah. have. Yeah. yeah. I do like that. It's, it's cool. It gives you a lot of fun things. This is something that. that Derek told me. Uh, he messaged me and was like, um, I know y'all are going to be reviewing The Martian. And I just wanted to let you know this cool fact. Scientists went over the movie and came to the conclusion it is all scientifically accurate and possible, except for one part, the storm at the very beginning. Mars atmosphere is a lot thinner than Earth's, so that 100 mile per hour winds they were talking about would actually be about 11 miles per hour. Uh, might see Miles a rapper. Per hours. Fuck off! <laughs> uh, you might see a rapper blow across the compound, but definitely not what the movie showed. So yeah, fun fact. Thank you, Derek. Everything that is a fun fact. However, I choose to ignore it because that ruins the entire fucking movie. <laughs> what do you mean it ruins the movie? Because if the storm is eleven miles per hour. Mark's not getting hit with flying debris. He's not getting stranded on oh Mars. Oh my god. None of this is happening. 
Oh my God. But focus on the fact that scientists went over this and said, yes, they got this right. Everything in this movie could happen. It's possible. Oh yeah. That's what I'm that's, that's what I was talking about at the beginning when when I said like it was um very realistic in comparison to Interstellar. Interstellar. Yeah. So yeah. There there's um there's also a dedicated page on NASA on their website that explains like the differences between facts and reality between this and the movie. Like, I don't know if you saw in the credits, there's like a, uh, there's a link. It's like www.com Aries something.com or I don't know, but it it (laughs) takes you to NASA's website and explains the differences between facts and fiction. That's pretty cool. That's, that's cool. I I think these are my favorite types of movies that we review. Space? Yeah, I fucking love space, man. I fucking love space. Same. Yeah. I had a lot of... um, Like, I, I saw a lot of fun facts and trivia and stuff like that in the x-ray, but I didn't write any of, of them down. But I am on the IMDb... Uh page for this movie looking at some of them uh-huh yeah oh you, didn't you don't want to get share to, you don't get to hear any of them okay cool. <laughs> no i'm just kidding <laughs> we, we can find some um which one do we want to do let's just randomly freaking this one right here this is one that i saw and i'm glad i just found it andy weir wire maybe uh, wrote his own he's the author of the book by the way he wrote his own computer programs using real earth and mars alignment data to determine the best theoretical date for aries 3 mission to launch he also did like a lot of his own programming to like test the reality of things that happen in the movie wow that's so cool so like he did his fucking research to write this book that is freaking awesome not even just did his research he like straight up made codes and did all sorts of shit to make sure that it was accurate yeah props to him for that for real freaking awesome yeah that was um one fun fact i'm looking through all of them and they're like (laughs) they're all like paragraphs so i don't want to read like a super big one yeah i know that mark or uh not mark matt damon filmed most of his scenes or like maybe even all of them within like five weeks and he barely met like any of the other cast members until they went on like the tour or whatever to promote the movie wow that's crazy yeah lots of uh there's honestly like you can go into the imdb page or just anywhere and look up stuff about this movie there's a lot of facts and trivia and information on it very very interesting stuff yeah it's really cool and like if you watch it on amazon there's that 
that x-ray thing that you can click on and it'll it'll tell you as you're going through the movie like the fun facts for that scene which is really cool it is this one this fun fact right here says the opening title words the martian vanishes bit by bit on every letter it's the exact opposite as the title of ridley scott's other movie alien where it appears bit by bit on every letter until the title is fully readable oh that's cool have you ever seen alien uh i maybe when i was a child of course not remember fuck off oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yeah couple couple fun facts there great movie if you haven't seen it watch it yeah we loved it yes we did great stuff there (laughs) um and i mentioned in our variant vendetta or uh variant variety episode that i had the book hadn't started it but like i said i have started it by this point so hopefully by the next variant variety episode i will have finished it hopefully and i can tell y'all how good it is yeah okay (laughs) um hopefully by the next variant variety episode i will have watched all those x-men movies that i still have not sat down to watch oh good stuff right there i remember you telling me i'm gonna watch them all this weekend and guess that never happened huh i'm busy (laughs) shit i'm sorry i had to watch this movie Oh, like that's such a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I love this movie. <laughs> this is probably one of my favorite standalone movies of all time. It's great. It's so good. Yeah. Got anything else to add? I don't think so. That has been The Martian movie. Next episode is going to be The Martian, the book, where I sit here and read the entire book in one sitting. Yes. So be prepared for that. It's going to be like six hours long. Yes. Yes. Maybe more. Maybe more. Um. Also, a lot of people have been trying to guess Annabelle's next Trust Me, I Like It episode. Yes. Okay. Y'all. Y'all. I got this shit. I got it in the fucking bag. Okay. I've had some duds ever since we started. This some. next one. I got it in the fucking bag. All right. I completely did a 180 and I some got it. Some would argue that they're all duds, but. Fuck off. Um, This next one, you're going to fucking like it. I promise. I know what it is. And I will say I feel the best about this one. But ultimately, we're going to have to see. In that yes, episode. we're going to have to see. Don't look at the Rotten Tomatoes score. Don't look at that at all. Okay. Okay. Well, and now you're making me movie. rethink. Just watch I... it. Okay. Okay. All right. Whatever. Um, if you would like to guess what movie it is, we will not be giving you any hints. Nope. And but we, will we not do be have telling you if you're correct or not. Well, we're not gonna be. Yeah, we're not gonna be telling you you're correct or not until you guess it correctly, and then when that happens. We're only telling that person who guessed it correctly, and 
we've even put together a nice little surprise for you if you guessed it right. Yeah. So if you'd like to try and guess what it is, go for it. And go you might for even it. you might even get it right and get our little special prize. Yes. All I will say is I did a 180 in my thought process. Think out of the box. There we go. Also, I did give two people a hint, and that hint was the movie starts with the word, the movie title starts with the word D. <laughs> so <laughs> go for it. Try to guess Good what luck. it is. <laughs> I'm sure that hint really narrowed it down and made it real easy for y'all, but that that's your one and only hint. Don't ask us for any more because we're not going to give it to you. We're not going to give it to you. And if if you guess right, you will know. Yeah. All right. Anything else you'd like to add? Anything at all? I don't think so. Okay. Well, like I said, this is uh has been the Martian. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's great. Um also, thank you for listening. You can support our show by giving us a five-star review on your podcast platform or by giving us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, at Variant Vendetta. Either way, we are very thankful for your support. And that's going to wrap this up. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.